Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Good morning and welcome. Uh, can everyone hear me okay? Thumbs up. You can do the little emoji thumbs up if you want. I like to do that one. You can raise your hands. Uh, do something to engage. Um, whatever it takes for your mind to be engaged in Zoom church, do it. And if that requires you kind of, you know, fiddling with something with your hands, I know Autumn has to do that. Autumn likes to have something in her hands and fiddle with it. If that's what it takes or you need to be commenting, like whatever is being said or like whatever it is, do that because we want to be engaged this morning because we're going to be reading God's word and we trust that he's going to speak through his word. So we want to be paying attention and listening. I think a way to make that happen is having your camera on. So I encourage having your camera on that way. Like we're not being distracted by looking at something else because we know no one can see us. So if you're joining, please, if you would like to have your camera on, it makes me feel like I'm not talking to a bunch of empty screens, but actually to our church and, and our family. So do that for us um, as we read God's word today and see what he has good for us. Does it sound good to everyone? You can do double thumbs up or you can raise the roof, you know, on your camera, raise the roof on the screen, throw back to the 90s there for everyone. This morning I have my notes printed. I went super old school because I didn't want to have to look at two screens. So we've got printed notes this morning. It's official. Um, but we're continuing in our series we started last week. Does anyone know what the series is called? You can type it in the chat. Anyone? I can't see. Oh, there's one new message in the chat. Exiles. Look, see, we got so many people paying attention already. We did just start, but that's awesome. Yes, it's called Exiles. We have an awesome new graphic for it um, that a really cool person made. Um, his name is Freddie. So thanks, Freddie, for the, the awesome the graphic there. Um, but we're continuing in it this week um, with the idea that we are exiles in this world, that this is not our home, and that we are living faithful lives in a broken world. Um, Graham started us last week in that, and it was a great first. Wrong <laughs> David living. <laughs> nice. Jesus was. Jesus is better. That was. That was our series right before this. So you were. You were there. You were there. Um, but we're we're continuing week two in exiles. Um, today we're in the second part of first Peter um, Grant preached the first couple verses and now I'm preaching first Peter 13 through 19 so you can go ahead and turn there in your copy of God's Word I found it very difficult to try to write a sermon that's only 30 minutes discussing the last half of first Peter so get ready this morning because there's a lot squeezed in to 30 minutes so be ready there's a lot we're gonna walk through but our main idea this morning is as exiles, we are called to live holy lives. Um, and we'll see that as we read the scripture and we'll break it down and really understand what that means and what that expectation is for us. Um, so we're going to read our scripture. I'm going to share it on the screen. Where did that go? Where's the share? Right in the middle. 
share, here, enter. All right. So we're going to read verses 13 through 19. Follow along, if you will. Peter writes, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father, to whom you pray, has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we have your scripture, that your word is good and strong, and that it is teachable, like it can be taught to us and we can understand it by your spirit. Um, Lord, would your spirit move in us this morning? Would we understand your word better? Would you teach us and equip us with your word so that we might honor you with this truth? Oh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're basically going to break it down starting from verse 13 and go all the way to 19, kind of taking it a verse at a time, um, because there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of kind of deep things to go through. But when we look at the beginning of verse 13, it says, so prepare. It starts with the word so, which we can assume and know that from language that when you start a sentence with so, it's like saying, all right, because of what I just said you can this now, like, because I said this, so now do this. And so we look back at what Peter is referencing. What's he saying because of this, now this? Well, what Graham preached last week, um, I love 1 Peter verses, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Um, Peter writes, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations and we have a priceless inheritance. So now looking at 1 Peter 1, 13, because of our salvation in Christ because of his great mercy and our new priceless inheritance Peter writes in verse 13 because of these things so now starting here this is what we were to do as, as, as exiles because of Jesus Christ so here we see Peter giving us four characteristics of holy living as exiles um, and the first ones in that first sentence, he says, prepare your minds for action. Maybe you have the King James Version, or maybe you have one that says this. It puts it this way, gird up the loins of your mind, um, which I always think sounds funny. I'm kind of a child sometimes, and just gird your loins of your mind. That's funny. I don't care who you are. But it's a figure of a person gathering up the bottoms of a long garment that they would wear and tucking it into their their belt so that they can move freely and quickly and it's kind of like our saying of saying like roll up your sleeves get ready because you're about to have to do something so it's a great quote a great quote i read this week from a pastor in a commentary um, it said to gird up the loins of your mind is to get rid of loose and sloppy thinking to bring the rational and relative powers
powers of your mind under control. It means to, to control what you think about, those things you decide to set your mind on. And it reminded me of the passage in 2 Corinthians 10.5 where it writes, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So that's how Peter starts this. As, as an exile to live holy under the salvation of Jesus Christ, you must prepare your minds for action. You have to get them ready. You have to bring all of your thoughts captive to Christ and say, like, is this of Jesus? Is this glorifying to Jesus? Bringing our thoughts and getting our minds ready. Rolling up the sleeves of our minds. Girding up the loins of your minds, if you want to use that phrase. And the second thing that Peter writes that we are to do, a characteristic of a holy exile is my translation says exercise self-control yours might say be of sober mind and really they're the it's the same meaning um, a condition free from every form of mental and spiritual loss of self-control it's an attitude of self-discipline that avoids extremes it's it's being coherent being aware being of sound mind being and self-control, not giving yourself to those things. So the first two things, Peter says, because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, we are to exemplify this. We are to prepare our minds for action, exercise, exercise self-control. And the third one that he writes here says, put all of your hope in the gracious salvation through Jesus Christ. And all this is coming from verse 13 you can look at. Put all of our hope, all of our hope, and the gracious salvation through Christ Jesus. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The only way we will be able to stand before Jesus on the day of judgment and his return is because of his unmerited favor that he gives and will give to us. All of our hope, every single bit, must be in Jesus. It cannot be in in two weeks, we can meet together again. Our hope cannot be in, well, today's going to be better because we're going to hang out and go sledding and, and, and ice skating. Our hope cannot be in, maybe things will go back to normal eventually. Our hope cannot be that maybe I'll get a better job and can afford a better apartment. Our hope, every single bit, must come from our gracious salvation in Jesus Christ. Like, that is so important. And I think Peter writes that on purpose here. He's like, give Giving us these kind of two first steps of like, well, how am I like, again, I'm supposed to control my mind, be self-control, be ready, but this sounds kind of difficult. He's like, okay, put your hope in Christ. Like it all comes from his salvation. So remember again, like put your hope in Christ because when we start taking our eyes off those things, I start losing my self-control. I'm not holding my thoughts captive because my hope isn't in him. It's in, it's in other things. And sometimes they can seem good. Our holy living requires that all our hope be in Jesus. Not just some, but all. So Peter says, prepare your minds, exercise self-control, put all of your hope and salvation through Jesus. And the last one he gives us, live as God's obedient children. In verse 14, you can read that and see it. And I wanted this week as I read that, like he obviously uses the illustration of being an obedient child on purpose like he could have said like be an obedient adult or be an obedient this like he uses be an obedient children be God's obedient children and I just kind of started writing down characteristics that would be of a child like of God and I wrote 
what describes a child? I wrote innocent, pure. They look to their father for guidance and instruction. They trust their father. They love their father. And they obey their father in all areas of life completely. And then they run to him and seek forgiveness in disobedience. So I just love that imagery of just this pure, innocent child who seeks their father and, and obeys their father and in disobedience runs back to the father and says, I've, I am sorry, I need you. I trust you. You are good. You take care of me. You love me. And so that's the fourth characteristic he, Peter gives here of um, as exiles we are to exhibit. And sometimes that can like seem overwhelming, like a bunch of tasks to be done. But as we continue and see like where we get the power to do that from, as we continue in the scripture, I promise today will be encouraging. And I don't want you to feel weighed down by all of these things that you need to accomplish now. But he gave us these four characteristics, but he gave them as they are to flow out of salvation in Jesus Christ. Because remember, verse 13 starts, so. So these characteristics he lists must flow out of a relationship with Jesus. It must flow out of the gracious inheritance we receive from him and not out of our own selves. And he continues in verse 14 after he says, living is obedient. Children, Peter writes, this is how you're called to live. He said, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Before giving your life to Jesus, you didn't know any better. So he says, you didn't know any better. That was just normal. That is what the world does and how the world lives. You didn't have these four characteristics of a holy exile. He says, now you know better. Now we are called to a higher standard of living because of Jesus. We are called to be holy. And I love the quote, the reference back to the Old Testament he gives here um, from God's words. He says, we are called to be set apart because God who chooses you is holy. And he gives that quote back. You must be holy for I am holy coming from Leviticus. Just a direct callback that the people would have 100% known and recognized. And I want us to take a look at that statement because I so often can hear the word holy and maybe immediately think of like songs or like I think of like something having holes in it, like Swiss cheese or something. But like I want us to unpack be holy for I am holy and, and, and kind of the, the depth of that statement and just the main idea behind holiness is not moral purity but is the idea of apartness the main idea is that God is separate different from his creation both in his essential nature and in the perfection of his attributes but the beauty is instead of building a wall around his apartness and saying, you guys can never have this. I am so apart and holy. Instead of building a wall around it, God calls us to come to him and share his set apartness. He says to us, be holy for I am holy. Uh, John Piper explained holiness in a, in a sermon I watched this week. And I'm going to quote him in this. I, I really enjoyed how he put it. 
with holiness. He said, John Piper says, holiness has the root idea in the Old Testament, which Peter is directly quoting here. That's the idea in the Old Testament of being separate from what is defective and evil and separated for God. So the Sabbath is holy to the Lord, separated from the pursuits of other days and dedicated to the Lord. We see in Exodus 31. Priests are holy to the Lord. They are set apart from ordinary pursuits and dedicated in a special way to the Lord. We see in 2 Chronicles 23. And things could also be holy by setting them apart from ordinary use and dedicating them to God. We are to be set apart, dedicated to God, preparing our minds for action, exercising self-control, putting all our hope in Jesus Christ and living as obedient children, all under the salvation of Jesus. Like, I love that imagery of recognizing how things are set apart in the Old Testament to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And Peter calling back and saying, now, remember how he said, you are to be holy as I am holy, be set apart be dedicated to the lord look different be of different use than what the world is as exiles and as, as my translation puts it says as temporary residents people who don't belong here we are called to live holy lives set apart dedicated to and for god because of what jesus has done so that in this holiness, in this set-apartness, it all points to Him. Brings glory to the Father because He calls me to be holy. Not because of my own selfish reasons or so my week will be better or that I'll feel better and I'll look better and I can brag about myself. No, we are called to be set apart because He is set apart. We are called to be holy because He is holy. And what's amazing in this is he is also the only reason and way that I can be holy. And we're going to get more into that in a second. It's kind of this crazy circle that like in Jesus Christ we understand, but outside of him it's so confusing and crazy. We'll, we'll dive more into that as we continue through the verses. But in verse 17, Peter continues with this scripture um, and says we must live in reverent fear of God. And that can be confusing or maybe a little scary to you. Maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And outside of studying it and trusting the Lord, like we can easily get offended by that and easily not understand it. But I want us to have an open mind and heart this morning to what he means by reverent fear. Does that sound good? Everyone nod and say, yes, I want to learn what reverent fear means. Yes, nods. Yes. Yeah, all right. David does. Thanks, David. All right. I'm, I'm speaking to, to David only here then. Um, no, I, it, I read another quote this week. It really helped me put it into perspective because it's it can be kind of scary. Um, but Paul is motivated by the awareness. Paul and Peter in their writings, we can read a lot. They're motivated by the awareness of this coming judgment. And he wants his readers to be motivated by it as well. The coming, the return of Christ. God's grace to us and forgiveness and forgiving sin does not mean he's careless about how Christians live their earthly lives. We will stand before him and be held accountable for our choices. 
That accountability does not affect our eternal destiny. It does not change where we spend eternity. It declares our time as spent well or foolishly, courageously or cowardly, in faith or in spirit, in faith or in spiritual blindness and selfishness. The consequences of reward or reprimand in that moment will be genuinely pleasurable or painful based on the choices we have made in our bodies on this side of eternity. The the regenerate, those who have put their faith in Christ, will have their lives evaluated by God also. We can see that in Romans 14, 10 through 12, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 17. And we will receive accordingly to what we have done. Justified persons, listen here, justified persons, however, cannot be condemned. Romans 8, 1 and 34 say that clearly. We cannot lose the salvation he has given us. But only the Lord knows the hearts of the justified ones. Since judgment is certain, Christians are to live in reverential awe of God, yet not in terror. The Christian life is a temporary stay on this earth, so the brief time granted to us should be used carefully. And as I, as I read that this week, I think something just kind of clicked with me in understanding living in the fear of the Lord and the motivation behind this scripture. Like Peter and Paul both talk about reverential fear as motivation, not something to beat us down and wear us down and scare us. It's not something to keep us from acting, but it's something to push us to act and seek the Lord. It's something that pushes us to holy living, to trusting completely in the salvation of Christ and him working that out in us. It is not something that should push us back and cower, but something we should have reverence and fear in the Lord and trust in Him. And I read another, uh, man, I'm telling you, if you don't like John Piper, I don't know why, because he helps me understand scripture in such a good way. Um, he, he, I'm going to like kind of quote him a little bit in his words, and then I kind of put it in my words. He says, based on what we saw about the origin and nature of hope in verses 14 and 15 that we just read here, I would describe holy fear like this in distinction from unholy fear. Unholy fear runs away from the judgment on sin and looks for safety in all kinds of excuses and moral and religious camouflage. Holy fear runs away from sin itself and looks for safety and pardoning and empowering grace of God. Oh, that was beautiful. I read that this morning, this week, and I was like, oh, that's so good. And then he gave another illustration. He said, this is an illustration for an eight-year-old to understand. And this is where I really got it. The eight-year-old illustration is where it really made sense to me. So listen here. He told a story of how his family went to visit another family in their church that had a really large dog. And John Piper looked at his son and said, can you run out to the car um, and get something for me? And now this dog was the same size as his son. And he said, all right, run out to the car and go get something for us. We left it in the car. And it said, as the son took off to run back to the car, the dog chased after him with a low growl. It's probably pretty terrifying to this little kid. The dog's owners called out to the son running to the car. And they said, you better just walk. He doesn't like it when people run from him. He'd rather go with you. Oh my goodness. He says, that's a great picture of God. 
He is very scary when you are running away from or against him, putting all of our hope and desires somewhere else. It's pretty terrifying. But if you will fully hope in the grace that he gives and the treasure that he is, he will walk with you and be your friend and your protector and your father all the way home. Oh my goodness. I read that this week and I was like, it makes sense. Like <laughs> this makes sense. Like, yes, that dog is probably terrifying because I don't understand that he just wants to walk with and protect me and lead me and guide me and love me. But I'm running from him and he's barking at me, but he's really saying, slow down. I want to follow you. Come to me. Come to me. I want to be with you. And that's God as we walk, as we, as we walk into pursuits of sin and we start to, to, we start to feel like, Oh no, what am I going to do? He says, no, come to me, follow me, walk with me. I'm not scary. I want to guide and direct you. I can be scary when you run from me, but I want to walk with you. I promise. And that's what God has for us. Our holy living as exiles is a direct response of the grace and salvation from our Lord. It is a natural overflow, identifying the true set apart ones. We are not saved by our actions, church. I need you to understand that this morning. We are not saved by our actions. But it is clear in scripture that our actions are proof of our salvation. They do mark those who have been saved. And we do not have holiness without Jesus Christ. You cannot be holy without Jesus Christ. So stop trying to be. I'm saying that as I look myself in the eye in this camera. Stop trying to be holy apart from Jesus Christ. Go with him. Like the dog in that story, you have to walk with him. The holiness we receive comes from him. And that's why Peter continues in verse 18, because of the Lamb of God. For you know that God paid a ransom to save your empty life. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, but it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And the verbs and language that's used here, it writes like this. It kind of writes backwards for us today, but it makes sense for them. The verbs, it writes like this. Because of verses 18 through 20, what we just read, because Christ has redeemed us, the spotless blood of the Lamb, because of this, now we can do verses 13 through 17. Because our hope and salvation and redemption is through Christ Jesus, we can now live holy and set apart. We can live in reverential fear as temporary residents because we were bought at a high price. Because Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb of God, has redeemed you. And I love the word that's used here for redeemed goes back to ancient, like goes back to ancient Rome and the terms for slavery that were used there. Um, and an idea that any first century church, there were three kinds of members. There were slaves, free men, and freed men, those who were set free from slavery. 
Slaves normally could look forward to freedom after a certain period of service and often after the payment of a price. Money to buy their freedom could be earned by the slave in their spare time or by doing more than the owner required. Often the price could be provided by someone else. By the payment of a price, a person could be set free from their bondage or servitude. A freed man was a person who formerly had been a slave but was now redeemed. And that word is used on purpose here, church. This is why we can live holy lives. This is the good news. He has redeemed us. He paid the price. This massive price we owed that we could never pay, He set us free from our bondage, from our life of sin that we chose. We were once a slave, willingly that we chose that slavery, and He set us free. And the price was His blood. So do not waste this life. Do not live foolishly. Be holy because I am holy, God says. And it all flows out of Him. I love, oh, it's such a strong like note of ending there as He calls to holy living. He's like, this is where it comes from. And this is why we don't waste this life. Because it was not bought with mere silver or gold which lose their value. But the precious blood of the Lamb of God has redeemed you. Has set you free. Do not walk back into slavery. But walk along with Christ. Walk in obedience with Him. We live as exiles here, as temporary residents, because of Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, as in, is in heaven. Philippians 3.20. Check it out. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do our actions and daily lives reflect where our citizenship is? Are we living as holy, as set apart ones dedicated to the Lord? based out of our hope in Jesus and what he has done for us? Or do we look like all the other things in this world? Don't forget, church, we were bought at a high price, set apart. Now we must live lives that reflect that. And it can only be done through Christ Jesus. I love, we're called to the standard of living. And he says, you can achieve it only through me. So come to me for the power and guidance and direction because you can't do it without me. I'm calling you to the standard, but I'm giving you the power to achieve this standard. Amen, church. Thank the Lord because I can't do it on my own. It can only be done through Christ Jesus in an intimate relationship with Him. As we abide in Christ, holy living flows out naturally. We do not focus on the works. We set our eyes on Christ and the hope and eternity we have. Preparing our minds for action. Exercising self-control. Living as obedient children. And pursuing Him above all else, church. Holy living will flow out of that. It's evidence of those who belong to him in this world. It's a physical proof on earth that our citizenship is in heaven, church. Let's pursue Jesus this week. Let's pursue like that story of the dog. Let's not run away from him, scared of the growling that he's going to attack us and get us, but know that he just wants to walk and lead and guide and love us. Let's walk in obedience, church, and stop running from him in fear and start walking with him in reverential fear and awe. 
because he loves you. He's pursuing you. He wants to be and walk with you, church. Let's pray, and we're going to head into some breakout groups. Lord, we thank you for the truth in your word, and we thank you that our salvation, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.